Hello, hello. This is Tracy Harrell, and welcome to Bigger Than Me. Each week, we focus on how to achieve your definition of success and happiness. On Bigger Than Me, we bring together a combination of ageless wisdom, the latest research, and engaging interviews with amazing people who are sharing their stories to help each of us achieve our full potential. Your journey to transformation begins right now. Let's do this. All right, people, let's do this. Woo, I am so excited today. And I know I say that every show, but today I'm like more excited than I normally am. So this show, Bigger Than Me, is literally just, it's been my passion. This is, this is what I was meant to do. But today is so super special because I have my niece, Dasha Harrell is actually a guest. She graduated from college yesterday. And today I am just so thrilled. We actually pulled together 20 guests. So before this, these two sessions are over, you're going to hear from 20 amazing people really pouring into Dasha. Dasha, we had a conversation two days ago, two days ago, where you know I was congratulating her on her graduation. And she said, Tracy, you know, I don't like being the, the smartest one in the room. I would love to have a group of people that could pour into me as she, you know, moves to this next journey in life. And as you think about graduates around the world, we all want to pour into them. And so today, if you're a graduate, if you know someone who is just trying to optimize an area of your life, if you have any questions about relationships and parenting and living your best life, we're going to talk about all that today. We have some people on that are going to share not only their lessons learned, their, their deepest life lessons learned, but they wish they knew at 25. I got some people on that are going to be so straight up that they're on confidentially. <laughs> we got some call-in guests that are going to share their words of wisdom. So what we're going to start with real quick is we're going to do introductions. So I'm Tracy Harrell. I am honored to do this work each week to bring forth content to help each of you. And I'd like to introduce my niece, Dasha, who again, just graduated. And um, today's session is a community commencement, a bit of a fun opportunity to share lessons learned from about 20 people that I know from literally around the world. So go ahead, Dasha, why don't you say hello? Hello, my name is Dasha Harrell. I am Tracy's niece, as she stated. Yesterday, I graduated from UNC Pembroke. Um, with my bachelor's of sociology, um, and I'm also a mommy. Ah, a mommy of a three-year-old. Very so cute, Skyler. Hopefully, he'll pop in at some point, and we'll get to see him and say hello. So, Dasha, can you tell them really quickly what was that conversation about when you said you wanted people to pour into you? Um, knowledge is one of those priceless things that come with experience and opportunity. So I wanted to make sure that I was open to that opportunity and you gave me the best gift ever to allowing us to have this session today. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited. So let's go back to the, the, the full view of everyone. And I'm going to just start choosing each person. I'm actually going to start with Amy Hackett. So we literally have individuals from around the world that are going to be joining us. Amy is actually calling in from the UK. What time is it there, Amy? And you are still muted. 
Uh, it's just gone 10 p.m. <laughs> 10 p.m. So, Amy, why don't you introduce yourself? And what I'm going to ask each of you, when you introduce yourself, I want you to share what is your name, where are you located, um, and then what is the anything else you want to share about yourself really quickly? This is the, the fast round of information sharing, life lessons learned. And then what is that one lesson? What is that one life lesson that you wish you knew when you were 25? Or the one thing that you would say has, has, has made your life better that you think individuals like Dasha and everyone around the world would benefit from? So we'll start with you, Amy. Sure. So I'm here in the UK, um, just outside London. And I am a leadership and life coach. Um, and I also am building an online app to help people build their character. So all about character development. So I'm in the tech world, ed tech, and also in the personal development world. And I've had quite an interesting <laughs> life experience. Um, and I've lived and worked in all sorts of countries around the world, from Russia to Africa, to the Caribbean, to Asia, to all sorts of places. And one of my biggest life lessons is about finding my own voice. Now, as a little girl, I was quite often uh, told to be quiet and keep, keep quiet and you know, seek approval by other means. And so a few years ago, it was back in 2006, I, had, I was in South Africa and I had to drive from Johannesburg to Cape Town overnight. It was about 17 hours. Uh, and I had to interview the president of South Africa the very next day. So there I was driving through the night on my own across South Africa. And a few years before that, I had been, I'd been in a massive accident. I'd broken my back and my right hip in three places. And basically the doctor said to me, you'll never run again. And I've always been a runner, I've always been athletic, never an, Olympi an Olympian, but I've always been athletic. And I listened to what the doctor said to me for seven years, you'll never run again. And during those 17 hours when I drove across South Africa, my mind was going deep into all sorts of conversations about what if this, what if that, and blah, 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 blah. And I got to Cape Town. It was really early in the morning. It was too early to check into the hotel. So I decided oh, I was just going to go for a walk around the block. And then the second block and then the third block. And I started running fourth block, fifth block. And before I knew it, I was having my very own Forrest Gump moment. And I ended up running from Cape Town to Cape Point, which is 40 miles. And that was pretty epic, given that I had a belief for seven years that I would never run again. And so my lesson, my life lesson there, and for you to take on board, Dasha, is, okay, listen to the people in authority, listen to the people in the know, listen to the doctors, listen to whoever. However, in addition to taking on what everybody says to you with their own life experience and their own wisdom is listen to your own inner voice because it will never ever fail you and the more you tune into that the louder it will become and the more aligned you will become and the more aligned of a life you will live and you will live on purpose and you will take action on purpose and everything you do everything you bring into your life everything you manifest will be in alignment with your purpose. So the, the biggest lesson for me is trust your voice. And when you've been shut down a lot, as I was, that voice, you know, right at the very beginning, it's just, it, it's barely even there. You can barely even hear it. And sometimes you can never hear it and it doesn't show up. 
but trust it and keep going keep tuning into your own inner voice because it's the most powerful powerful thing you have and no matter what anybody says to you anybody out there whether you can or can't do something ultimately it's in here it's it's deep within you and just get to know that inner voice because it's the most powerful thing you've got Oh, thank you so much, Amy. I love that. Ooh. So Amy, what I also love about you is um, we're writing in a book. We have a book together. We're co-writing, co-authoring a book called Ignite Inner Spirit. Yeah. And what's super exciting is we're all talking about the inner spirit and tapping into your voice. So that'll be launching on December 11th, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Super exciting. Thank you so much for that. Stay with us if you Pleasure. can. Uh, I will. Introductions, Jordan Sealy. So you're the closest to Dasha's age, <laughs> and the photo I had on the the promotion was you and at, at your graduation. You're actually mm -hmm. my adopted son. I'm not sure why my camera's jumping, but we're gonna just keep it moving. If I get kicked out, you guys just keep talking. You have the questions. Don't let me hold up the show. Seriously. Um, so uh, Jordan, I want you to share with us, introduce yourself as well. And again, you're the closest thing I have to an adopted son, right? I watched your mother raise you and was so proud along the way. Can you share with us your life lessons learned? What is that one thing that you would like to impart to, to Dasha and that you know now? How old are you? 24. Oh, mm -mm. Tell us the story, Jordan. And one uh, of the so, yeah, I'm um, Jordan Seeley, uh, second lieutenant in the uh, United States Army currently, uh, graduate engineering, graduate of uh, Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, as, as Tracy already said, I'm 24 now, so me and Dasha are basically around the same age. Uh, the only thing I could really say as far as what I've learned to this day um, that's really helped me is uh, basically the ideology that um, comparison is a depth of joy. So really just kind of running your own race and um, staying in your lane and, and marching to the beat of your own drum versus uh, looking at everyone around you. For us millennials, it's very easy to... Um, you know, look at everybody else's success or lack thereof and compare it to what we are aren't doing in our own life. And it can really rob you of the, the good things and the bad things um, that you're currently going through or you're striving to get to in, um, in life right now at this age of 24, 25. So that, that would be my biggest lesson is uh, basically staying, staying in your lane, running your race and um, you know, not comparing yourself to others and setting your own standards for you to aspire to be at. Oh, love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much. Again, we're gonna figure out what's going on with my camera in a second, but Miss Rachel Green, you can go back to the full view. Let me see my people. Rachel Green, I'm gonna have you do your introduction. Tell us who you are, your 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 passion in life, and what advice would you share with Miss Dasha and the rest of the world? And you are muted. I see your mouth moving. Okay, so uh, while she figures it out, I'm going to go to someone else. Your mouth is still moving. Miss Anissa Mason, can you share with us who you are and what is your lesson learned? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Hi. Um, yes, I'm uh, Anissa Mason. I'm a registered nurse here in Seattle, Washington. And um, I would think my biggest lesson learned would, especially when it comes to career, would have to be that um, it's okay to know your worth. It's okay to know your worth and it's okay to demand 
uh, that others know your worth. Um, and, you know, being a nurse, you just kind of trudge along and do what you're told to do. And a few years ago, I just started going up to upper management and saying, can I do this? Can I do that? And a lot of times they were like, yeah. And I've kind of gotten to a point in my career where I'm making my own career and make my own decisions. And it was all just because one day I just said, I can do more than this. And it's okay to say that to yourself. So that would be a big lesson I've learned in the last couple of years. And that I would pass on to you, Dacha. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. I love it. Okay. Who else do we have here? Uh, we have Ms. Lanika Shelley Williams. Would you introduce yourself real quick and tell us what is that one lesson learned you'd like to share the drill that you knew when you were 25? Sure. First off, I just want to say thanks for having me um, and congratulations, Sasha. I think that you are off to a good start because I had a conversation with your aunt and like she previously stated, you want you don't the person in the room. So that eagerness, that wanting to involve and grow, that is already a lesson. So I'll just say that you're off to a great start. But um, a little bit about me. I am Lanika Nichelle Williams. Everybody calls me Shelly. I am also known as the Bounce Back Queen. Um, I am a motivational speaker, author, coach, mom. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I am, so my background, I kind of, you know, had a little rough background. I grew up in Baltimore. I was taken away from my mom um, growing up. So the bad thing is, yeah, I was taken away from, you know, put in a system. But I learned so much from that whole experience pain so the biggest lesson that i've learned is that we all have three things in life every single person we all have talents and gifts we all have challenges and we all have a purpose i can't tell you what those are but you have to figure those out and once you once you do that and focus on you know, if it's your challenge, it's a challenge. It's not something that um, defies you. We can, we all have them. You can get through them. Um, excel at your, and enhance your gifts and talent and follow your purpose. So that's the bet. I knew it at your age. <laughs> I just figured it out not too long ago. So um, that's the best advice I can give you. That's you. I love that. Thank you so much. Rachel, how's your uh, how's your sound going? Can you hear me now? Oh, I can. I can. Rachel Green, another one of my favorite people. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are. And then uh, what is that one negative, that one lesson learned that you wish you knew when you were 25? Absolutely. Um, I'm Rachel Green. I'm here in Chicago. I am also an Ignite author, international bestseller, Ignite the Modern Goddess. Um, in my other life, I do um, program and project management and IT. I work for a fintech firm here in Chicago. Um, I am 51. And what I know now that I wish I had learned at your age is to do it scared. Um, a lot of times we build perspectives in our mind about what we can and can't do. I think Amy was talking about that earlier. 
But even though you're scared, keep moving forward and do it. Because at the end, there's this big celebration of breaking through uh, a, pro, a, a barrier that is either either built by us or built by our experiences or built by people in our lives. Um, I read a book called Code of the Extraordinary Mind. They're called rules, bullshit rules. Um, so even though you're scared, even though there's hesitancy and you're timid about it, do it anyway. Do it scared do it. Mm, I love, love, love that. Now, last but not least is Miss Jessica Bobadilla. Is that correct? That is correct. Thank Excellent. you for having me. Thank you for inviting me, Tracy. Um, so congratulations, Dasha. You should be really proud of yourself. I am a mother of two, and I don't think I could have made it through my schooling if I had children at the time. So that in itself shows you're extremely responsible and resilient and um, you are gonna go far with the skills that you've gained both as a mother and now as a college graduate. Um, I think if I could speak to myself around the age that you are and to offer any advice, really echoing to trust your intuition, um, you know, and also just to be careful who you trust, you know? I mean, that sounds kind of negative, but there are people that will show you who they are. You know, I think Maya Angelou is the one that said, um, if people show you who they are, believe them. I think it's great to give people chances, but do take into account your intuition and whatever evidence you have about some, who someone is. That could be, you know, uh, over the course of time, or it could be really quickly. But the other thing is, is this not only applies to like romantic relationships or friendships, it can apply in the workplace and in the professional world too. And I think we all know as women and, you know, women of color have extra <laughs> things to deal with. Um, that, you know, we're sometimes put in positions that are a little bit different, you know, than men. And, um, and you know, you just have to face those, you know, use your, your goodness and your intelligence and try to bring all that forward. And I've also really tried, even when I faced um, some negative situations, to try to bring what positivity I could to it while still protecting myself. So I think that's another thing. It kind of depends on your worldview and your spiritual view. But for some of us, I think that's important to at least leave a situation protected, but, you know, not leaving the other person worse, because we all know that sometimes when people do things that aren't perfect, they're battling their own demons or they're struggling with other things that we might not have to struggle with. So I wish you the best. I know you have a bright future ahead of you. I can tell and you're, you um, express yourself really well. I'm an attorney. I do immigration and human rights law. And um, I definitely think you express yourself in a way that if you wanted to do something like law, you have a, a, a great shot. Isn't she amazing? <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. So there may be additional people joining us around as we move this forward. Um, oh, yes, please. I do have a question for Jessica. Please. Um, when you were speaking about, you know, handling negative situations at work and still keeping yourself protected, how do you handle microaggressions at work being a woman of color? Um, well, I think, you know, I work I work for myself now. <laughs> That's probably part of the, one of the reasons of it. Um, but I, you know, have experienced some things that were um less than than less than perfect um in uh, in more than one workplace. Um and um, I think, you know, if it's really, if you really go home and you assess that this is just a bad situation, either because you're not being valued fully, you know, for whatever reason, 
or, you know, in one of the situations, I actually, my first job straight out of law school, I experienced sexual harassment um, when I was uh, in another state. And, um, you know, if you're experiencing something that's really, um, you know, unacceptable, start planning your exit. And if it's detrimental to your immediate mental health or your physical safety, then just get out. I mean, you know, there's references from other people. I hear people sometimes stay in situations in workplaces that I, I just can't think that they should do that. So, you know, get out as soon as you're clear that there's something really unacceptable. Otherwise, I think it's good to try to address things with people. But if you still feel, you know, I experienced something a little later in my career where I was kind of teaching other people uh, what I did. And many of those were white men um, and they were around my age. They weren't much older than me. But I just over time didn't feel that I was totally being valued for what I was bringing forward. And um, I left things really well with them. You know, I, I do have some misgivings, you know, about how things went. But, um, you know, I really decided to try to exit the situation before it was very negative for everyone rather than, um, you know, kind of drag it out. Now, that's not always possible. Sometimes we need income. This was later on and it was kind of an extra thing I was doing on top of my practice. I think if, you know, if you can work for yourself or make some kind of an income base that's just yours, it's not contingent on other people. That's what one way to also really protect yourself because you always have that, you know. Um, other than that, I think it's great to try to address it with people and to not get into like a petty thing if you can. But if if it's not working out, you know, just try to find your other job or your escape route. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to thank you, Jessica. I'm going to ask uh, for Rachel Green to also lean in. So one of the other passions that I have in life, in addition to this work around helping people to live their best life, is I'm leading an initiative around equity and inclusion. And for a Black woman to who... who um, who, who has stood up and has shared some amazing stories. I think Rachel's one of those who's part of that initiative. So Rachel, I'm gonna ask you to just kind of maybe answer that same question for Rachel, for um, Dasha, um, if you can. Okay, so I think the question was, Dasha, how do you handle microaggressions in the workplace? Is that right? Yes, ma'am, that was the question. <laughs> okay. With, with the caveat of as a woman of color, yes, but, and yes. I think a different question, um, and depending on your, we'll just, I'll let you answer the question. Yeah. So the, I handle these a couple of different ways and, and they're daily. So it isn't, um, a, there isn't a space where it stops. I don't think we're there yet in America. So the, if it is impacting my work or my ability to be successful at work, then I handle it directly. I handle it both with my manager and with the person who is um, with the uh, with the offender also, and I I um, outline the direct impact of it and a, a solution for us. Um, for instance, um, I had a, a situation on Friday. Normally, I let these fly, but I'm working on a big project and I need to be able to work with this person. And they went to my manager with some feedback. And the first thing, my manager came to me because, you know, she's the manager. That's what you do. You you get feedback and you give it back to the person about them. And I said, um, my concern with this is that this is demotivating 
because this is my coworker, someone I have to work with continuously and deliver a successful project. And they could not come to directly to me with something so minor. Um, I addressed it with my manager and I addressed it after that, I addressed it with the person who gave that feedback and requested that they come directly to me because we'll be working together long-term on this project and probably many more. And they agree. Um, if it's something minor, it doesn't impact, because you'll, you'll be addressing these all day, every day, if you address every single one of them. But if it's something minor, it doesn't impact your work or your impact um, or your ability to be successful, let them own it. You don't have to own that. Um, I have left workplaces where it's been overbearing. Um, I, I do not advocate for you to be in spaces where you are not valued or have the opportunity or to be set up for success. I do not advocate that. Find somewhere else. There are plenty of companies who value, who will value your skill set, pay you for it, or start your own company. But if it's impacting your success or it has the ability to impact your uh, um, ability to add value or be successful, then absolutely address it and be very direct. Um, sometimes they say we are aggressive. I say it's assertive. And if we don't say anything or do anything, then that gives people permission to continue that behavior. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, this is a great conversation. I have a couple more introductions to do. One of them is the individual, if you can show me the full view of my people, that'll be awesome. See if anyone else joined. We don't have pictured is someone who is calling himself brother man. <laughs> yeah. I told him we were gonna have Dasha on and I said, we're gonna talk about relationships. And I know you have a unique perspective on this. And he said, I'm happy to come on, but I need to uh, disguise myself. So none of my ladies come back in. Uh... <laughs> Say, I heard you on the radio with Tracy. I saw you on YouTube. So he is going to give it to you. I said, look, I need you to represent like the father. Jordan's the brother. I need you to represent like the father. Bring it to us. He asked me if, you, if we read the book by Steve Harvey, but I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell us what is the primary lesson learned, brother man, that you would like to share with Dasha and the rest of us around uh, life lessons, especially as it relates to relationships? Well, first of all, Tracy, I'd like to uh, congratulate your niece on her graduation. And I can tell you now the questions are not so personal, so I could have just told you my name. Um, my name is Leonard Simpson, and I'm a general contractor, and I've been building in this city for 38 years. And one of my slogans with my business is, we build relationships. So I'd like to share uh, with your niece what I've learned about building relationships. I'm old school. I'm 65 years old now, 65 and great to be alive. Just turned 65. And as I've been building these relationships over the years, one of the things I found out that the number one relationship you should develop and build is your relationship with God. And once I realized that the gifts that he gave me to have a successful business, get along with people, that type of thing, one of the reasons he gave me these gifts was to help build his kingdom. And when I realized that, everything clicked for me. My business went through the roof. Um, we're just swamped with work all the time now. And I have a peace and a joy in me that I never had because all I'm trying to do is help 
be of God's kingdom. So I would encourage your niece to develop her relationship with God, get that spirit, and everything will just be a happy, joyful life. Mm. Well, I saw some heads nodding here. There were some heads nodding uh, in this space. Does anybody want to add on or, or, or compliment that particular statement? Does anyone? Yeah, Tracy, this is Rachel. The other thing that I would add, in addition to your relationship with God, or right after building a successful, a really deep um, relationship with God, is building one with yourself. That is key in um, being able to sustain sharing energy with other people. Make sure you pour into yourself and you are confident and, and centered before you start. The, the, the Bible say, "Give from your overflow." There has to be an overflow before you start giving and connecting with others. So right after your relationship with God, build a really great, solid relationship with yourself. And what I say with my son is when you know who you are, people will call you all kind of things. They'll bounce all kind of scenarios, try to place things on you, but they won't they won't have the opportunity to define you because you can't absorb that because you are already full of who you are. Mm. Heads are nodding again. I love it. This is what I meant. Life lessons learned. Love it, love it, love it. So we are halfway through session number one. And during this session, we said we were going to talk about relationships and parenting. Now, Anissa can't stay for the second hour. First of all, as we talk about relationships, I kind of want to talk about parenting real quick, and then we'll circle back around and go deeper on relationships. So as it relates to parenting, raise your hand if you're a parent. I'm not, my hand was just, this is an example. Okay, good. So, okay. So we have parents here. What I'd like to ask is what, as a parent, and then Jordan, you're a child of a, one of my most favorite parents. So I also want you to kind of answer this question as well from that perspective, from the child who was raised by an amazing parent. But what is that one par parenting lesson learned, that one element of joy and success that you guys would share, those who are parents, with... Um, Dasha, as it relates to being an amazing parent and raising a child that's loving life. And I'll start with you, Anissa. Yeah, I think that my, oh, there's the baby. <laughs> I think my biggest lesson learned is patience. You have to have so much patience in being a parent. And, um, and my, my son's only six years old, so I'm still learning every day the lesson. But another thing that to me is very important um, and in parenting is that we don't transfer traumas onto our children. So every day I pray that I can find that patience, I can find that peace, and that I am not transferring anything onto my son to take into this world that already will probably pile on so much trauma on him. I want him to be um, happy and smart and uh, ambitious, and I don't want to take any of that away. And so it takes having conversations and listening and being open to what they're telling you, even if it sounds out of this world, um, believing that it makes sense to them and then finding a way to make make sense to you. That, that's what I have been learning in parenting. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Ooh, anyone else? Rachel Green, I know you had some interesting parenting lessons <laughs> learned as well. What would you like to say? Parenting experiences. <laughs> Here, here's the 
most important one that I learned, um, I have a 15 year old son and I learned this maybe about five years ago. You have to take care of yourself. A lot of times when you're a parent, you pour a lot into your child and you put yourself on the back burner. But there is a um, equal correlation between um, how your children are doing and how you are doing. When you are not okay, your children are not okay. They cannot function, they, like they pick up on your energy um, that you have. So when you're not okay, your children are not okay. And if you are okay, then your children will soar. So a lot of times in parenting, people say, you know, you give your life over and, you know, you do everything for your child. But the most important thing you can do for your child is to make sure that you're okay. That's the one thing that I learned that I wish I knew um, even before I had Roman, but I learned um, around the time he was 10 and I wasn't okay. And it was reflected in his schoolwork and his um, physical well-being. He started having to take a lot of medicine. And as soon as I start focusing on myself and get myself back right, he, he was fine again. So oh, it, there's a direct correlation between how you're doing and how your children are doing. And it's counterintuitive to focus on yourself when you have children, but you are making it better for them when you are okay. I love that. I think that applies to just about anything, right? I mean, when you are your best self, when you're pouring into yourself, you can be, you can excel in every area of your life. Um, I think, Jessica, you you said you are a parent as well, correct? Yes, I am. Yeah. Can you share some parenting advice, and then I'll oh, go. Oh yeah. So I've care. been. A, I don't know, Dasha, if you're a single parent or if you're married, but I've been a single parent most of my children's lives. Um, my ex-husband is um, present, but I have sole custody, and he does. He spends quite a bit of time with them, but I have the bulk of the well, pretty much all the responsibility part of it. Um, I think one thing when I got divorced, and this was also a little bit, even my family, actually a lot of my family, um, there was kind of a idea that somehow the kids weren't going to be okay or that they weren't going to go as far um, in life. Um, and also I got that from a lot of outside people, even more than my family. And I just think that that's really not true. I mean, children, there's children that for whatever reason are born and only have one parent or adopted by one parent. Um, I think that if you provide you know, what you can. And again, I, I do think that that's really insightful that your own stability is really important to their stability and their growth. And I think just really try to nurture who they are individually. Mine are very unique, strong personalities. And I think that I've, you know, really tried to nurture that, whereas maybe I was raised to be a little more obedient, it might've been partly cultural. And it was really um, stifled my own personality and my own growth where I had to work really hard to express myself, assert myself until a certain age. It was really hard for me to do that. So I think that, you know, different um, situations offer different pluses and minuses. And one parent, if, you know, if you are in that situation or anyone that ends up in that situation can provide a really strong foundation um, it's not to say that two parents, it's not easier. It doesn't offer a little more um, input from, you know, a mother and father. That's always great. Um, but I, I think in my case, my kids are really excelling and they're they're doing very well in a lot of ways. And I'm just glad that some of those people weren't right. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love that. Miss Lenny, Dasha, you got something to share? 
Oh, yeah. Just to um, answer Jessica's inquiry about my parenting situation, we do co-parent, but from separate households. So okay, it's kind of similar, similar to, to your situation. Yeah, very similar. People assume yeah. I'm a single mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Miss Lanika, what words of wisdom would you like to share? Parenting advice. Okay. So I've literally kids since I was 10 years old. I'm but the kind of thing everybody else did. And I think the biggest thing about you have to find balance in everything. So when it comes to, you know, discipline, but also letting him feel comfortable in his home and letting him feel comfortable to talk to you and express to you, you know, what he's feeling. Also, make sure that you are up to his school. Kids know that their parents can pop up at any given time are well-behaved in school. The ones who typically don't are the ones who, um, you know, have trouble. So no matter where I worked or what I was doing, my kids, sometimes they knew, but oftentimes they never knew when I was going to come. So just I be present leader and, you know, like she said, put be mindful of yourself because you have to take care of mommy. I love that. I love it. Jordan, would you like to share one of the best parenting lessons that you've heard from your beautiful mom or that you think is appropriate for Dasha to know? Um, so three things. Uh, so I would go with standards um, to touch on that. So like I said before, comparison is a thief of joy, but it's also the root of complacency. So if you, as a, I guess as a son, um, I, my mom set certain standards for me, whether it was academically or, uh, you know, just in the household or just, you know, personality wise that I knew I had to basically perform at, regardless of who else was around me, what my friends' parents were doing, my friends were doing, my cousins, no matter what arena or environment I was in, I knew what standards that I was supposed to perform at, or I was, um, basically expected to, to, to be um in the classroom at home on the court whatever it was uh, another thing would be accountability so this kind of followed me through obviously my short adult life thus far but just being able to whatever you do or don't do make sure that you can take accountability for those actions and um if you did something wrong being able to apologize to take full uh, credit for what you did and also knowing your worth of, hey, I did these things, so give me my credit for doing them. Um, that, that's really big. And then um, the ability to express yourself and your emotions. So um, as, a, as a parent, it's easy sometimes because you're providing everything to basically have like a dictatorship or authoritative role in that, I guess, uh, parent, parent, son, or mother, son relationship. But being able to respect your kid and, and allowing them to express how they feel uh, is going to go far beyond just being um, a daughter or a son. Um, it's going to give them the uh, ability to express themselves and um, basically, you know, be able to 
I don't know, like compute their emotions at all times and, and be able to express it to not only their friends and their relationships, but also in the workplace. Because um, nothing's more frustrating than not understanding how you feel or why you feel the way you do. And if you can't understand how you feel some way, you you won't be able to uh, devise a plan or a course of action to, to mitigate why you feel the way you feel. Uh, so every time I had, as I was frustrated as a kid, she, she always made me talk about it, work through it. And um, it became such a social norm for me in my household that when it became an adult, it's so easy for me to, um, you know, uh, express myself and and in, in that that aspect emotionally. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. Thank you. That's awesome, brother man on the phone. Do you happen to have any children? I don't think I've ever um, asked you that question. Yes, I have two boys, and I would say the one thing that. I um, did with my boys and learned to do with my boys is to engage in every aspect of their life. Uh, like the young lady said, going up to the school and talking to the teachers, knowing what they're doing at school, getting involved with their sports activities after school, um, uh, bringing them into uh, my company and teaching them how to do something, how to fix something, uh, just engaging with them. But I think the most important thing I told them as Antonio was to say, I love you. When we end on a conversation on the phone and stalking, and most, most boys be like, dang, daddy, you know, you, where are you up with that? Show your boys affection. Tell them that you love them and keep love in their life so they can receive that. A lot of times they want to be hard and strong because they want to grow up to be men, but a lot of times we're not strong as we want to be, and I would just encourage anybody to have any kids to show them a lot of affection and use that love word a lot. I love you. Lynn, I need you to know, since you're on the phone and you can't see the visuals, you got smiley faces, heads nodding, women on the call are like, mm-hmm. Who is this thumbs up, smiley faces? Awesome. That's why I wanted you on the call, because I knew you'd bring a level of, of, of energy uh, and clarity. Uh, I've been so impressed. Lynn actually did some work in my house um, as, a, as a general contractor when my Landlord, we encountered molds. It was a drama and a trauma, but I got to tell you, he was the he was the bright bright light of the whole situation. If I hadn't had that, I would never have met him. So I'm grateful for my molds. <laughs> so, but now, uh, now Tracy, you're the. I grew up with all boys, so all boys, and my one of my sons had all boys. So you're the first, you're the new sister in my life. So I, I've adopted you now. You're my new yay. sister. Yay. I love that. I felt the same way. You definitely came in. Just, I mean, I was, anyway, so yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Miss Amy, it is what time now? It is now officially 1046 PM in the UK. I said, you could just come on and share some quick lesson <laughs> learned. I knew you had some great stuff to share. We're going to do a one-on-one -on -one with, with Dasha another time. Is there anything else you want to share in any topic? This whole thing is a, a community commencement, a kickstart to the most amazing life that she and the rest of us can have. Is there anything else you want to share? Any other lesson? Yeah, just, just to a couple of quick things. Um, I'm not a parent, but um, nevertheless, a couple of things I would just adhere to as best I can in my life, and it's never, ever, ever go to bed on an argument um, because you always regret it. So speak your truth, no matter how hard it feels and no matter how much courage you need to speak up in that moment. Um, and when you have conversations, difficult conversations, think about them as 
building blocks for having brilliant conversations. And by brilliant, I mean, it's easy for us to say, you know, somebody has an idea and they say something and you say, no, but my idea is better or no, but I want this. Instead of the no and the but, put yes and. And when people feel the yes and the and, they feel more included. They feel like their ideas count. They feel more, more able to contribute to a conversation, whether it's professional or personal. Whereas the but and the no create separation and they diminish people. So yes and is a brilliant way to build brilliant conversations. That's one. Um, and just another one on relationships. There's a book called A Course in Miracles, which Marianne Williamson, if anybody has ever heard of her, she's just brilliant in a real thought leader in the spiritual world. Um, and she teaches a lot of the lessons that are in the book, A Course in Miracles. And one of them is really, really poignant and stuck with me from a long time ago. And it is all relationships are assignments. So whether you believe in God or the universe, whatever. So if you are in relationship with somebody, now whether that's personal, professional, friendship, whatever, we're all in different relationships. Every single one of those relationships that you come into, the good, the bad, and the ugly, are all assignments. And they're all in your life to teach you something so that you may evolve and build better relationships as you go forwards. And with each relationship, you get more clarity about what you do and don't want, your boundaries, what you will and won't accept. Um, and yeah, it's, it was just really powerful for me. So if you can take that and make something of it for yourself, fantastic. <laughs> You're so wonderful. Thank you for that. Oh. It's, it's nodding again. In the South, I'm a Southern girl. We call this the A-man corner. When people are like, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the A-man corner. So you definitely got some A-mans on that one. Miss Anissa Mason, is there anything else, Amy, before you before you need to go? And you can say on if you want to. I'm not kicking you off, but I don't want you to feel like you got to be on until midnight your time. Thank you. Thank you for staying. Stay as long as you want. Is there anything else you want to share? Uh, not at this point. I'll stay on to the top of the house another okay, 10 perfect. minutes awesome, and then awesome. I'll head off to bed. <laughs> uh, thank you. Miss Anissa Mason, I know you can't stay for the next hour, but these other ladies can't. So I wanted to just ask you, is there anything else? Wait, 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 wait. Did Zelda actually ever get back on, Nathan, on the phone? Did she ever call in? No. Okay, perfect. Just want to make sure we weren't missing her. Miss Anissa, you have so much to contribute. Um, anything else you want to share? I know you had a comment when Rachel, when Dasha asked the question earlier about um, what to do in the case of um, challenges at work. Would you like to share that? And then after that, anything yeah. else you want to add on? Yeah, I could add uh, that. But what I basically was saying that allies are really important in the workplace. Um, every place I've worked, I have found uh, a woman of color who has worked there longer than me or been um, maybe a higher up. And so the, the biggest thing is being able to confront um, your problems. Don't, you know, don't run and go be a tattletale or anything. I, every place I've worked, I've always been willing to go to people and say, you know, I had a problem with this instance and this is why and talk it out with people. And I, and I feel like that has created um, this boundary. Boundaries are so important where people go, okay, well, she's not going to be walked all over. But of course there's gonna be those situations that um, maybe a higher up is doing the microaggressions and you don't wanna go to that higher up and say those things. So you 
have those allies who you can go to, to, to say, I need your help. This isn't working out. And of course, you know, I think it, um, I can't remember, I think it was Rachel who was saying, if someone, if you're not being respected, don't waste your energy on that. Never be afraid to leave. I've never been afraid to go find another job because I know I work and I know I work hard. And so, but beyond that, if you're trying to resolve the issue, allies are wonderful and helpful. And that is what I would give to you. Mm, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Does anyone, we have, believe it or not, we only have nine minutes left in this particular hour. We're gonna continue this conversation starting at three o'clock, same group, actually have a few more people joining us uh, as well. But we're gonna continue the conversation, focus on how to live your best life. So as we were thinking about this, just specifically the idea of, actually, is there anything else any of you want to share before we end? And the specific question actually has to do with living your best life. I have just an, another little thing, yes. um, which is, I used to study with a shaman um, for 10 years. And one of the most important lessons I learned from him was, um, he asked me one day, where does the future lie? And he left me with that question for about a month, wow. as the shamans do. <laughs> they don't, you know, the, the answers that come quickly are not usually the, the best answers, the most wholesome answers. But I'm going to give you the answer now and to go away and think about. So where does the future lie was his question. And the answer is the future lies in language. Because we create our lives, we create everything from everything comes from up here in our thinking, from the way we speak in public, the way we speak to our inner self, our inner voice, everything. And so if you shape your language in a positive, creative, proactive way, then you will be able to manifest things in your life that, that a lot of people can't because a lot of people's self-talk is negative, very negative. Um, so when I was speaking a moment ago about holding and, and having brilliant conversations, it's really being cognizant and conscious of the things that you say to yourself and the things that you say out loud to other people. Um, and, you know, there's, there's all sorts of courses and, and I could speak for hours on that, but the, the essence of it is where does the future lie? The future lies in language and you create your future through the words that you speak to yourself and out there in the world. I love that. I think it's so important that we yeah. focus on how we speak to each other. And I think I've kind of heard that thematically. We're talking about having a relationship with a higher power, building yeah. in that relationship, investing in yourself, right? That That is huge. And so first of all, I'm keeping my eye on the clock. We got six minutes left, right? Are there any words, final words on this, these particular topics that you'd like to share? And I'm going to go with Rachel, give each of you 30 seconds to uh, share some final lesson learned, some amazing, wonderful nugget that you'd like to put out into the universe related to how to live your best life. Absolutely. Get the book, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. When Amy was talking about the, the what we tell ourselves, yeah. the messages yeah. that we tell ourselves, the messages that we tell other people, it manifests in your body. We are creators. God create. We are created in the image of God, and God is a creator. He spoke, and things moved <laughs> and happened. So when we speak, either internally in our internal voice or externally, we create things also. 
So the book by Louise Hay talks about how things manifest, the language that we tell ourselves. And if you want to heal your body or heal, help, help others heal, when you get into those relationships with people who are hurting or not well, that book gives you a tool and language to address a lot of the issues that we see or that we encounter both internally and external to ourselves. I love that. I love that. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, we're going to actually end with our five minutes left, focus on our favorite books. So I'm going to start with mine. We can show everyone. My favorite book is by Deepak Chopra. It's called The Seven Laws of Spiritual Success. Freaking Breakthrough. It's a tiny little book. It's probably this thin. It's one of those little coffee table books. It's like this. You can listen to it on Audible for in less than two hours. It is life-changing. I think I listened to it the first time two years ago. Actually, I saw it in a dentist's office two years ago, and I opened up the page, and I got to one chapter that was around silence, this practice of silence, and it was talking about the power of silence and how, you know, as, as Amy mentioned, and we all know, you know, it could help grow your inner spirit. Well, I've got a lot of skills. Silence is not one of my most... <laughs> my natural traits, let me just say that. Uh, but I've learned to love silence. I've learned to embrace silence. It was a Tracy who, for a while, I would have background noise on at all times, but there's really something so powerful when you find silence. And in that book, he talks about tapping into the, the infinite possibilities of the universe through this idea of prayer and meditation. So really he talks about just meditating and just spending time in nature. I talk, I actually write about that in my, in, in the book that we're, uh, producing ignite your inner spirit and i just talked about that is like the breakthrough for me is also this idea of disconnecting from the outcome when you think about raising children life in general whatever your goals are when you disconnect from the outcome it's really powerful to be able to you know do your best i know that the universe the lord whoever you believe in is going to take care of the rest and you actually get to disconnect from the outcome. It takes away expectations. It takes away angst, angst, anxiety, pressure. You know, when you're dealing with other people, you can't control anybody else. All you control is your reaction to those other people. So when you disconnect from the outcome, you do your thing and you kind of let it flow. So we'll identify a book um, of choice and then that one nugget from that book. And I'm going to go to you, Lanika, Lanika, real quick. What book would you recommend to Dasha and, and what 30-second point would you share? Um, the Secrets. That's one book that has changed my life, my cousins. Um, we all, you know, we didn't start like having a book club, but once we started reading that book, I'm telling you, it will change your mindset. It will change how you look at situations. It will, like um, the other lady said, make you have positive thoughts within yourself. So The Secrets is an awesome book. Totally, totally agree. Totally love it. Jessica, what would you identify as your favorite book and what key lesson learned did you get from it? I don't read a lot of nonfiction that's not related to my field um, for some reason. I don't know why I picked up a few. None of the, I, I'm making notes about the books oh, that you all said because I haven't picked any of those up. But I think, you know, years ago I was picking up some nonfiction that was kind of like insightful self-help and I, I never really got much out of those, but I was no probably problem. reading the wrong thing. No, no problem. Yeah. No problem. But, so I'm going to do a quick recap. Did you have something else you wanted to share? Well, I like to escape through literature. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I like one one book that I read years ago that made a big impact on me was um, Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie, which is about India. And there was a lot of messages about, you know, class and caste and poverty. And I've never been to India. It's somewhere I've always wanted to go. But 
I think we can also learn through fiction, you know, um, totally. because in the great totally. authors, there's also a lot of lessons yes. there. I love, love it, love it, love it. To totally agree. We literally, um, we're going to get to continue this conversation into the next hour. So I'm super excited about that. What I was going to say is one of the nonfiction books that I've ever read was Dune. And I, excuse me, fiction. I read all nonfiction books. So one of the books that I read that was nonfiction was, um, was fiction, excuse me, was Dune. It was freaking amazing. It had so many lessons learned. And, you know, so that will recommend that one as a, as a, um, as an out. Is an opportunity. So we're going to end this session. This is Tracy Harrell. We're going to come right back in three minutes and we're going to continue this conversation with some new guests joining us around how do you live your best life? Lessons learned. Life lessons learned. Join us. We'll be right back.